Oh, the Golden Stallion's here for you, baby. Woo! Because, oh man. Well, I'll tell you how I'm here. Uh, I'm actually wearing my um, my Klingon bathrobe. And oh yes, it is Klingon. Jeutbej takir. I mean, it is the the real fucking deal. Even got some Klingon writing in gold along the arm here. Uh, it's got a little bit of gray to it, but that's all right. Still largely triple black, as always. Oh, man, just got out of the shower because, you know, things are taking place. <laughs> uh, so it's your usual Wednesday Q&A that, of course, all Patreon subscribers get uh, get access to uh, every single week uh, that I do. And I base it upon the questions you send me through the channels available. Of course, you can use Patreon's own messenger. Uh, you can use, uh, you could use Twitter even sometimes I get questions from that, or you could even get in touch with me, you know, via email, uh, and, and, you know, and send me your questions. And I've got some doozies this week. Actually, one of them is, uh, Oh, might get hot in here, <laughs> but anyway, and a fun one. So not a whole lot of tech here, but, uh, well, there, there's some tech. So let, let's get into that. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is let's, well, I, yeah, I'm just going to break into the questions. I'm not going to get into like, tell us a sovereign tech secret this week at all. Uh, so, cause I, I want to blaze through this. I I've got, Ooh boy, have I got places to go. Uh, but anyway, uh, so first question is for all of the faults you think that Facebook has, do you at least think that Mark Zuckerberg is an innovator? Um, and what do you think that he has actually innovated on? So, uh, so this is, this is an interesting question to bring up, uh, particularly since Facebook really int- uh, introduced something this week, uh, that I find to be, well, I, I mean, it, it's an interesting play for a couple of reasons and I'll break into what those are. But first off, do I consider do I consider Zuckerberg an innovator? Depends on your definition of innovator, but in some ways, yes, uh, I, I think he is. Uh, or well, yeah, in some ways, sure, he he's innovated. But anyway, I you know I'm not going to give this guy any real praise because I think any of his innovation is largely has either been largely funded or has largely been pushed. Uh, by various alphabet soup organizations. Again, we're dealing with corporatism here. Facebook is in a very real sense in arm of the state. Um, as far as like what Mark Zuckerberg has actually innovated with, it's really, and it's not necessarily his innovations. I mean, some people would want to list off real fast. I'm sure they would want to list off a bunch of different APIs that Facebook has brought to market and that have uh, even open sourced. Well, the problem there is those that a lot of those APIs were things that they acquired, that they bought out. Uh, there's very little that Facebook itself actually invented very little. Uh, I mean, even, you know, you could say, well, aren't they, you know, getting internet, uh, you know, to the other 6 billion and all this shit, you know, and, and it's like, well, yeah, but they bought out companies like Titan and all those other companies to be able to do that. So this is the thing is that really most of these companies don't innovate at all. Like I think when magic leap, of course, I don't think magic leaps ever going to come out, but the way that people talk about magic leap, like with Google magic leap is this like AR VR company, you know, that supposedly works without, you know, uses zero UI to some degree. I mean, it, it's, it's all very, you know, very ethereal and not, not very, you know, no one's really been able to actually see this in action, which is why I debate whether or not it's actually going to be a thing or, you know, I mean, with magic leap, what it, what it really could end up being is a, you know, a, a combination of, Project Tango and Daydream VR, you know, both not exactly Google 
Google projects. Well, daydream VR, I guess to some degree would be, but I think magically the reason this phone's been so secretive is because they're field testing all of the various technologies required to make magic leap work already. But that's the thing is that like really magic leap in and of itself, you know, it, it's not its own innovation. I mean, you can say when you combine all this different stuff together and they bought out magic leap as well. Uh, you know, when you combine all this stuff that you end up with an innovation. Yeah, there's some truth to that, but let's be very, very clear here that these companies are doing very little in-house. They're generally just buying out other people, which is largely the, you know, true for Facebook. Um, the, I mean, you could say that Facebook has innovated in that somehow it got, you know, a billion people to care about being on the internet a lot. I don't know how you quantify that as an innovation. Um, I mean, a lot of their, a lot of their ideas that they've put out there have largely failed the Facebook phone. A lot of these different things, you know, are abject failures. A lot of their apps, uh, are abject failures. Like what was that one slingshot that was trying to compete with Snapchat and instead they just kind of baked it all into Instagram and all this. I mean, it's really, I, I challenge people to come up with a genuine, like game changing thing, kind of like now an innovate or a genuine innovation would in many ways be the Amazon echo. Okay. To where like it leapfrog an entire, uh, uh, you know, hardware category and talk about zero UI. I mean, they did it, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, praising Bezos or anything. I'm just saying that that is actual innovation. Um, I don't even think the, you know, the iPhone was that much of an innovation. In fact, the iPhone's kind of a fluke. I know a lot of people get, you know, all, all, you know, hot and bothered about the fact that oh, everybody's got a GPS device now. Isn't this magical? What a wonderful future we live in, blah, blah, blah. You know, using a smartphone for maps was a mistake. Like they even say that, that, uh, the only reason there was ma maps were highlighted on the iPhone when it was first introduced, you know, what was that? No seven was because Steve Jobs needed something. He didn't care what it was. He needed something to show off the touch features, right? Okay, so maps on, on a device, I mean, it was an afterthought. It was the actual people, you know, Apple didn't come up with it. People found the real world use for it, you know, and then developers acted in kind. But that's the thing is that, you know, this idea that, that, oh, you know, the market, you know, brought on, I mean, you could say, well, the, the customers or the consumers are the market actors in this case and the market forces in these cases. Yeah, I get that. But let's just be clear that Apple didn't innovate. Okay. The people did, you know, or I mean, because again, Steve Jobs wasn't asking for maps. He just said, okay, I just need something that would look good on that. And when he was pinching and zooming the map, you know, people were like, Ooh, wow. But again, app that wasn't apple's intention for that to be the centerpiece or for that to even fucking matter it was just to show the entire purpose of maps on a smartphone was to show off touch controls it was not to be maps on a smartphone got it so it's very tough to you know to, to really like talk about what is actually an innovation of sorts uh you know when, when you get into the get into these things i mean you know an innovation that I think a lot of people in the United States don't realize that that Facebook has kind of brought to fore where it's brought a, you know, a confluence of technologies would probably be, you know, the fact that Facebook has implemented signal encryption in most of its apps, has implemented Tor, uh, has implemented, you know, the use of PGP keys. Like, I mean, they've really done and I hate it because it's all for, in my opinion, nefarious purposes, either to get people hooked onto the Facebook platform or it's, you know, just a honeypot of metadata for people, you know, to think they can trust. Uh, but Facebook, and I've said this before on, on, on main episodes of Sovereign Tech, 
that Facebook has really like they are doing everything right as far as how they make their services and platforms available. They're doing everything right. Like even, you know, here's here's one area where they might have kind of innovated is with their implementation of OAuth. Granted, they didn't invent OAuth, but, you know, they're the ID system that they came up with to where it it's very specific in what data it shares, um, you know, with whatever other services you use to you use your Facebook uh, ID, you know, to log in with. Okay, like if you go to another website like gift.com or something and you use Facebook to log in with, uh, you know, the way that that the way that your Facebook ID and gift interact is the is kind of the right way of going about that. If you're going to do secure identity of some kind, not that I want identity, you know, whatsoever, uh, but you get my point. Um, I mean, and even, you know, the way that you can secure your Facebook account, if you have your app on your smartphone and this is the only way you can do it and use the code generator feature on your smartphone app. That is a super secure login system you've got there. That's a super secure password system. In fact, other than the fact that it's Facebook owning it, you know, and, and, and that ultimately has the keys you have like the best ID system on the planet right there, you know, in the conventional sense, I'm not saying what I want. I'm saying in, you know, in matters of like pure security, not security from, you know, the NSA or whatever, because, you know, Facebook will just, you know, suck their dick whenever they need it. Uh, so, I mean, like literally like they'll get on their knees, you know, they'll even, you know, swallow the gravy, cradle the balls, the whole thing, you know, if the NSA needs something, Oh, absolutely. Sir, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's just, that's how it would be. Um, so, but as far as like protecting you from anything else, yeah, Facebook's pretty on, you know, I mean, it's, it's on the up and up with, a, with a lot of that. So in a lot of ways, they've really innovated in bringing a lot of security and privacy technologies of all ironies, to the masses to, to make use of. And they've done it in a very simplistic checkbox kind of way. Um, but you know, other than that, I mean, eh, I mean, really like what is exciting that Facebook has done Instagram. I agree. Instagram is very exciting. Facebook didn't do that. <laughs> that was a 13 person team. Didn't require a gigantic company to come up with in the abstract. What I think is one of, you know, one of the best, uh, social media, uh, you know, platforms out there in the abstract, like that idea I think is great. So anyway, I, you know, that, that's the best I can say <laughs> as, as far as like, how, you know, what, what Facebook has done. I mean, in those ways they've innovated. Now I'm not going to say Mark Zuckerberg's an idiot. Actually, he kind of proved, you know, we talked about this on Sovereign Tech maybe a couple months ago where there was that great picture of him where Instagram was selling or celebrating, what was it? A billion users or some, some, or a billion down. I don't know whatever. It was some crazy number or something. And in the picture, you got to look at Mark Zuckerberg's laptop and on that laptop, he had his, he had all of his ports covered like with tape, you know, with, uh, probably, uh, you know, what they call tamper proof tape to where you, you know, if somebody peeled it off. Uh, and then he had his webcam covered and he was using Thunderbird, which probably means he was using PGP. Uh, y you know, I mean, he was doing all the right moves. He knew how to secure a computer. So obviously he's not a moron on how all this stuff is supposed to work. Um, you know, I mean, and it's not even like, you know, you can say, well, Facebook itself is an innovation. Not exactly. I mean, you had Friendster, like a lot of people had the same idea. It wasn't even that new of an idea. Like if his innovate, his innovation was start with college kids, make it the hot thing on college. And since conventionally, I'm not saying what I want, I'm saying conventionally, everybody on planet earth wants to fuck hot college girls or something that, uh, you know, make everybody want to be on board with it because that's what all the college kids are using. Right. Because, you know, that's, that's what people seem to seek is how can I have this eternal youth by latching onto these things that everybody thinks is cool when maybe they're not, I don't think college is cool. 
So, you know, I, I get, again, that's the best answer that I can, that I can really, really give you. I mean, it's tough. The word innovation and granted this question was from a tweet. So, uh, you know, I can't expect people to expound upon what do you mean by innovation? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I just, I don't see it. And you know, if you think that there are ways that Facebook is innovated by all means, okay. You know, you can, you can use Patreon. You can use that platform to get in touch with me, leave comments at the bottom of this episode. And I will recant if I find out that I'm wrong and I'm, I'm open to, have, to have been wrong again. I, I know a lot of people will mention some of the APIs that they've done, but I guarantee you, you're going to find that those APIs were all bought like that. Facebook themselves did not make it. Now, what I want to talk about is not an area of innovation because they're copying Craigslist and they more or less know it. Uh, I mean, Facebook is copying across the board with Snapchat. You know, they copied the stories onto Instagram or, you know, the memories feature. They turned it into stories on Instagram, right? Um, so what they came out with is they came out with Marketplace. That's what it's called. Okay. Now, as far as I know, this only works in the app and it is literally a Craigslist competitor. And, you know, it's like locally you can deal with people, you know, you can buy and sell things. They are not a payment processor. They do not do payment processing, which is interesting because Facebook has PayPal integrated into it, you know, or at least in the messenger, it has like, it has PayPal integrated into it. So why they couldn't further that deal a little more, I don't know. Um, but it doesn't facilitate payment. It just facilitates, you know, kind of being, again, it's just like Craigslist. Okay. Now, there's a couple interesting points about this. The first one, okay, because this isn't an innovation either, but the first one is that this goes to show that Facebook knows to stay relevant, it has to localize heavily because people cannot handle, we talk about this on Sovereign Tech all the time, the Dunbar number, people can't handle 5,000 people in their life. They can't handle dealing with the whole world, you know? So, you know, they're trying to relocalize. They, they've had... They, they've been talking about doing this for years where they're going to like, I mean, I mean, why, you know, you, you have, say like you have a ton of friends, say you have 5,000 friends. I don't know. I sure as hell don't. Okay. But say you had 5,000 friends on Facebook or whatever. I mean, I, I have, you know, like 7,000 on Twitter, but on Facebook, whatever, um, you know, say you have all those friends. I mean, do you see all of those people interacting? No, by the algorithms, you can't. But even then, I bet a lot of them, you don't see them really posting anything public anymore. This is what they were talking about earlier in the year, where F Facebook themselves were, were you know concerned because they're experiencing content collapse, because nobody's posting out in the open on the newsfeed. But where are these people? Did they leave Facebook? No, they're either dealing in Messenger or they're dealing in groups. And groups is, you know, why are groups so popular? Because it's a smaller subset of people in so many, in, in multi, in a multitude of ways to where, yeah, okay. I can handle dealing with this many people. Okay. And marketplace is kind of in the same vein to where it's, you know, okay. Facebook knows that people really like this whole talking to everybody thing is kind of dying away. Like if it has to be a two-way street, if it's a one-way street, yeah, you can talk to billions of people. You know, it, do, it doesn't matter because it's just one way. You're not really talking to them. You're just talking at them. Okay. Like radio. Why hasn't radio ever died? Because it is a, you know, it is a, a mass media as in it reaches a mass of people that, you know, I mean, you can take calls, but you can, you know, it's not like the radio host has to deal with millions of people. I mean, millions of people can listen to him, but he doesn't have to deal with the millions of people. So you get my point. Anyway, so marketplace is interesting because I think it, it proves what I've been saying for years on sovereign tech, that networks and technology in general is going to get on the trend sooner or later. 
um, you know, as long as people are interested in being free anyway, on relocalizing, not on this gigantic massive network, you know, where, where you, you know, you have the potential to deal with people. You just have no idea who the hell they are. I mean, myself, you know, I, sometimes I'm, and I don't know how this works. I don't know how the algorithm works for this, but sometimes when I share, I have a public account, no shit. Okay. But when I share, say, say some kind of link from, I don't know, whatever website, TechCrunch, io9, I don't know. Sometimes I'll get a ton of people flood in that they're, they're not followers. They don't even know who the hell I am, but they're just commenting on it. Like, and I've talked about this before on Sovereign Tech. Like, you know, I don't understand how it happens. It's like they think that they're commenting on the TechCrunch story when really they're commenting on my timeline. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I get pissed off when these people start saying like really mean shit. It's like, do you even know who the fuck I am? Like who the hell would just come in and start saying crap like this? You know, and I mean, and so in a lot of times, you know, when I post things on whatever social media service it's on, I often post it with the idea that, that there's going to be some understanding of things that I've said in the past, because I've said them over and over again. And so I assume people following on, on social media, a lot of times are also listeners of sovereign tech. That's not always true. Uh, you know, I have great friends that don't listen to sovereign tech and that's fine. I don't expect anybody to listen to it, but I'm just saying that like, you know, a lot of things I post on there, especially tech stories, generally I post it to interact with the audience that I have, you know, the, with the, uh, I mean, you know, I'm dealing with anywhere between 6,000, you know, to 11, 13,000, uh, people a week, you know, on sovereign tech. Okay. So it's usually to reach out to all that. And so I assume, you know, when, when I do that, like my intention is not to speak to, to everybody on planet fucking earth. It's to speak to, uh, you know, listeners of the show. And, and so I, you know, I do a lot of shorthand or, or I don't mention certain aspects, but then these people come in and they start saying all this crap. And like, obviously they don't know I'm an anarchist. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just insane. So anyway, uh, yeah. Relocalizing is going to be a thing. I, I'm, it's already, it's already long happening. There's, there have been ideas like path and some others that have kind of come and gone and people aren't that excited about it. Not in the U S maybe, but in other parts of the world, people get it, you know, that they don't, they can't deal with five, you know, however, you know, all these, all these different people. So anyway, um, the other interesting thing about marketplace and hold on just a second. I need to, I need to disrobe. It's getting hot in here. (laughs) Um, the other thing is that now, I mentioned earlier about one of the areas where Facebook has kind of genuinely innovated or well, not genuinely, but it has kind of innovated depending on your definition of that term. They have, um, you know, they're really good about baking in a lot of security and privacy features. One of the things that the Android app can do and well, and that you can access the web page with, but I don't think you can get to marketplace with just the web page on a desktop. I think you have to do it through the app. So let's say use case. Here we go. You are someone or not you, but somebody is accessing the Facebook app. Okay. On their Android device, they have Orbot installed. They have the Tor checkbox turned on, on the Facebook app for Android. They go to marketplace. Okay. Now, first off, it's a question of whether or not marketplace would even work in this instance, but I haven't had the chance to really like try that out, but I would imagine to some degree, they would still want this to work uh, because the reason they implemented Tor is to get people past you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, government, uh, restrictions, you know, and all this and firewalls and all that, you, you know, in other countries. Okay. So it's not really to re- like keep them from, it's not necessarily to hide them. And also I think it's to create a false sense of security, uh, you know, and trust in Facebook, but whatever. 
So you're on tour, you're on your Facebook app and you're in the U S you're in a state, let's say that, uh, that has not legalized marijuana or something like that, or whatever. It's some kind of drug. You want to go sell some heroin. Okay. So this person, you know, uses whatever code words are required, you know, to on like on a Craigslist Craigslist post or like on, I mean, on tweet, I mean, on Twitter people, you know, they use various code language to, to, you know, have a, have a drug deal go down. Okay. Whatever. I don't care. I'm an anarchist. You need to do your thing. Um, so you're doing this through marketplace, you know, through Facebook's version of Craigslist marketplace, and you have tour turned on. Okay. And you go and you enact the deal. All right. Now the question becomes, and maybe because there isn't the payment processor, maybe that's where this isn't such a big deal, but I, I don't know, but here's my question. Okay. Is that when you start using marketplace with Tor enabled on an Android device, does that become a dark market? And, you know, and if the sale of some kind of contraband happens, does that mean that Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for dealing drugs? Does that mean that Mark Zuckerberg by, you know, by today, by, by government standards, should he be going to jail like Ross Albrecht did? Hmm. That's the big, that's in my opinion, that's the billion dollar question is that, you know, the instant something, something fishy goes down on marketplace, who's responsible in the case of the Silk Road, Ross Albrecht was responsible regardless of the details around the situation. So can Mark Zuckerberg go to fucking jail? I mean, they're not going to lock him up for, you know, behavioral experimentation on human beings, which I would think that that'd be enough in the conventional world. Okay. I'm not one for the prison system. Don't misunderstand me. Hmm. I wonder. So anyway, that that's the other interesting aspect of, uh, of marketplace, uh, that I think a lot of people are kind of missing is that if it can be accessed through Tor through the app, Ooh, somebody's in trouble. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's, I got another quick question here and this one, this actually also came through, uh, through Twitter, but it was, uh, what is your favorite current favorite torrent site for movies? So for movies in general, uh, extra torrent.cc, I put a link in the show notes for this, uh, this Q and a, uh, episode, which this would be subscriber episode 21 Q and a episode number 12. Um, but yeah, extra torrent.cc is probably the best one for movies. And I'm kind of guessing not to say that I understand this or that I am doing the same thing myself, but I'm kind of guessing maybe people are looking for copies of Snowden and folks, you're just not going to find them. Um, at least I haven't, you know, I found them in Russian, but not in English. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny. Like I even tweeted this out. I was like, you know, just on principle, really that, that movie should be leaked. <laughs> online in high quality, not just as a cam job or anything. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm in jest there. So any, anyway, but extra torrent.cc, as far as I've seen is the best, uh, for movies, demonoid.pw. That's, you know, that's still a good, uh, multi-purpose, uh, one, uh, my favorite torrent site overall right now is still the one that I shared with Patreon listeners, uh, and, and the larger sovereign tech audience now, um, but it was uh, worldwidetorrents.eu. Uh, that's really great if you're into comic books and books in general. Otherwise, you know, it's not top notch. They do have a lot of good porn on there if, if you're up for that. But, you know, that's that's personal preference. Uh, so anyway, extratorrent.cc is where I top things off um, at that. And, you know, speaking of porn, 
So this is, here's kind of the, when I said earlier, things are going to get hot in here. I had uh, somebody message me and I'll try and boil this down because there's a lot of specific details that we don't exactly need to cover, but understand that I am going to get into, you know, very extreme content here. <laughs> okay. Uh, cause this question is about threesomes and it was effectively asking, um, I will at least give you the, uh, you know, I'll mention that it, you know, the pronoun, it is a, uh, a, it is a male that is asking the question. So I can tell you that much. Uh, but it was effectively asking, you know, how do you start one? You know, what's kind of the etiquette and protocol and, and all that, you know, in, in engaging in one, which I like that they use etiquette and protocol, you know, kind of a little, little play to C3PO right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no binary load lifters here, folks. <laughs> So anyway, um, I'll, I'll get into this, you know, kind of just, just, I'll, I'll break into it. That way we, we don't have to spend so much time reading, reading the whole question. Ah, oh, boy. So, so here's some things now. Yes. And the person asked because I have been in threesomes, orgies, been in a foursome. Like I, you know, I, 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 I have a degree of experience in this, you know, in, in this matter. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that claim to have a whole lot more, including in circles that I run in. I think they're full of shit. I can tell just by looking at them, but whatever. So <laughs> anyway, um, so how do, how do you even engage in one? Uh, now, this is I'm going to be a little broad, a little broader than the question was asking about, but I'll get into it here. So. It, it depends. All right. If it's a threesome, a threesome in particular, you know, and, and there wasn't any asking about a foursome. Maybe I'll speak on that briefly, but with a threesome in particular, okay. You know, there's, there's a couple ways that this can go. Now, again, this is coming from a guy. This person is, is not, is not gay. And you know, if, if they were, that's fine. Uh, but so just based upon the heterosexual nature of the question. So we've got, you know, there's the potential of, it can be one guy, two women, or two guys, one woman. And there are just worlds of difference in those dynamics. You might think that there isn't. There is. Okay. Um, I've engaged in both. One more than the other. All right. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. So just very, very quickly and simply, if it is before I get into, you know, how, how perhaps like how do you broach the subject and things like this. If it is two girls or, you know, two women, one guy. Okay. There is it's not a problem. It's really not a problem. Everybody can still have fun. Okay. But there's probably going to be spans of time for however long you're stooping. Okay. In this threesome, there are going to be spans of time to where one member, uh, you know, potentially the woman is, isn't going to like have anything necessarily direct to do. Okay. Uh, direct meaning like that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, I mean, there's, there's ways around it. Like, yeah, a guy, you know, a guy could have one, you know, one gal doggy style, and then, you know, maybe could be, you know, finger fucking the other one. Right. I mean, like there's, there's ways to go about that, but it's just like, there's just this kind of thing that happens to where one of the women generally will either like kind of sit off a little bit to the side on her own, or maybe, you know, she'll just have, I mean, you people have watched porn, you know, you know, some of how, how all this goes. Uh, but I mean, it won't be like, like there won't be as much concentration on one of the women as to where, if the threesome is two guys, one woman, it is a very, very tight knit experience. 
no pun intended. Like, I mean, you know, everybody's getting pleasure somehow, somewhere like like this, that's, that's how it's happening. You know, if it's because it's a spit roast or what, you know, or, you know, two guys on each side of the woman, I mean, you know, however it's happening, um, you know, there's a lot more direct contact and, you know, everybody's, I mean, it. I'm not recommending one over the other either, like by, by any means. In fact, I mean, you know, my personal favorite is not okay. So the two guys, when, when it's, here's the problem. All right. Is that one could say that two guys, one woman would somehow be like, because of the, the amount of intimacy and interaction, like the, the, uh, the, the visceralness, the potential visceralness of the interaction. I don't mean being, you know, hard and fast or anything. I just mean, as in like, you know, everything that's being touched and used and you know, whatever else. Okay. It just allows for a far more visceral, you know, encounter. Okay. I don't mean that. I don't mean visceral in any like, you know, bad way. I, I just mean it as in like, you know, closer contact and, you know, more in touch and all that more connected. Um, so when it's too, the hard part is here's the really hard part is finding another guy. Okay. That can handle it. Like finding another guy that's mature enough to not, to honestly, I mean this to not fall in love or get possessive say over the woman. Now, if your relationship, if you're polyamorous and you know, a woman has two boyfriends, I mean, then that's her call. That's fine. But like, if it's something where, you know, you're just trying it out, Okay. Uh, you know, like for the first time, or, you know, you're just inviting a friend over or, you know, things end up, you know, happening, whatever, you know, things start taking place. Woo. Uh, it's very tough to find a guy that doesn't like take it too far. Like he can confuse one night's pleasure with somehow the woman must have him from now on into eternity. And that folks, most of the time, it's just not how it works, especially with dudes, you know, with women, it can be a very different situation, but you know, with two women, but with your, you know, with one guy, two women, whatever I, you get my point. So that's, it's very, very difficult to, and I'm not, not, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, I know I have a lot of male listeners. I mean, my, my, fortunately my audience is pretty well split. Okay. I'm just saying that it's very tough for both guys to really be mature enough, you know, to handle the situation and not be detached because you don't want to be detached, but just to understand what the morning after is like. Yeah, sure. Maybe everybody will cook each other breakfast. Okay. But that might be the end of it. Deal with it. You know, and it's funny because I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of guys, I think they have this idea in their head that the guy can just, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man, and ma'am and leave. Uh, no, I, I find it to be quite the opposite that oftentimes if it's two women, you know, if it's, or if, if it's the other way around where it's, um, you know, one guy, two women that, you know, usually the, the women can be like, wham, bam, thank you, man. Or if it's a lesbian situation, you know, it can be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And you know, the women can walk away from it, but as to where, I mean, it's different if it's a woman, you know, oh man, anyway, this all gets very confusing. So I'm trying, I'm trying to boil it down quickly here. Uh, so we can get to the next question, but, uh, you know, bottom line is that it's very tough to find that other guy as to where in my experience, it's very easy to find that other woman. If you're already in a heterosexual couple. I mean, like just, just eons, you know, easier not to, and I don't use the word easy as any kind of pejorative. Okay. I'm just saying by comparison. All right. And I mean, and the, the morning after and all that is usually far more laid back. Okay. And generally, hopefully the guy you're with has that maturity level that I just talked about to where he recognizes that, Hey, that might've just been a one-off. 
you know, like maybe the, you know, maybe that woman, you know, she might normally be a lesbian or something. She just needed some dick that night. Like it, it's not love and he doesn't own her, you know, now that he's, he's had two women in his, you know, in his clutches and blah, blah, blah. You know, hopefully the guy is that, is at that level of maturity. So, I mean, because, you know, you get three women together generally, like, you know, they can sort of walk away, but I mean, you throw a guy in the mix and possessiveness becomes a really, really big deal. That's not to say that, you know, a woman and a man like that there, I mean, there's some women that, you know, any, any guy they kind of get with, they sort of get, they start getting attachments and feelings for. So it can happen that way too. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad. I'm just saying that by and large, like the ability to handle the situation later, uh, is, yeah, I, I mean, it can just, it can be very strange because at the same time, like you don't want a guy, you know, you don't want another guy in the mix that's just like, you know, very aloof and then, you know, treats the woman like a booty call in the future or something, but, you know, just doesn't care the next day and doesn't talk at all or, you know, whatever. I mean, you, you don't necessarily want that, but you don't want any kind of possessiveness and things like this. And really, I think, you know, expecting a booty call every few months from the same person is in, in, to some degree, you know, kind of a form of possessiveness. So anyway. Back to the threesomes. Uh, so, you know, my personal favorite, just because generally there's not so much emotion, uh, you know, undue emotion, I should say, that you or drama that you have to deal with later. You know, my favorite historically, I'm not saying I do this stuff now. I'm just saying historically was, you know, two, two gals, one guy. Okay. Now. I'm just as happy if it's only, you know, two women doing their thing. And I happen to be sitting at a computer. I've been in hotel rooms where like, literally I would be, you know, cracking open my windows CE laptop. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, uh, you know, my girlfriend and a friend of hers who didn't really like me, you know, would just be on the bed, you know, doing their thing. And you got to have that maturity to let them just do their thing. And then you do your thing, you know, and don't even don't, don't start jerking it, you know, whatever, and watching them and all that shit, let them have their fun. Okay. So, but it, again, it's so tough to find people with that level. And I, and I hate to say it because it's all up to choice. You know, it's not necessarily lack of maturity. Sometimes it's up to just a person's, you know, personal preferences when it comes to relationships or something. And that's fine. Okay. Um, so, I mean, and there's lots of ways, you know, when you're in a threesome, you want to, like I said, there is the problem when it's one guy, two women, there is, <sighs> you know, it's tough to, you you can lose that intimacy potentially when it's, when it's that way. It's just, it's the nature of the game. And I think, you know, I, at least myself, when I was in those situations, I put it upon myself to, you know, try and, and keep that intimacy at, at a, at as high a level as possible. I'm not saying that sex is just PIV because it's not, Okay. But, you know, try to be as inclusive as possible, you know, and that means you have to think, and this is hard for some people, I think, especially maybe at first. Okay. It was hard for me at first. You have to think about more than you really have to think about more than just your pleasure. Okay. Now, a lot of people can handle, okay, I'm going to think about what this person needs, but it, it does change things when you're trying to think about pleasing multiple people. I mean, it really fucking changes things. Okay. So, I mean, you know, you could, we could talk, I could talk about positions and all the different stuff, you know, you want to do, you know, like if you want to do a double finger, you know, where both gals are, you know, say on a couch or something and, you know, you're using both hands, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, there's lots of ways to go about that. Lots of fun to be had, but you really, you know, I personally myself, and it's not just because I'm a guy, it's just be, you know, just cause I'm a member in this, you know, say I would be a member in this triad thing. I wanted to be, I want to be super conscious of 
is everybody involved? Does everybody, you know, and you, you know, you kind of get that sense kind of just that feeling is everybody like, you know, really into this and all that. And if somebody at any point isn't into it, you know, let them go if they want to, of course, I mean, consent is just, you know, it's such a huge deal. So anyway, with that, all that said, okay, I, I, I don't need to get any more of the graphic details as, as far as like positions to go. I mean, you'll feel it out what you want to do, you know, uh, in, in any threesome, honestly, doggy style becomes very popular very quickly, or, you know, some kind of guy from behind situation, maybe you're, you know, kind of spooning on your side on the bed or something. And then the other woman's in front of the other woman. I mean, it can go down that way too. Um, but anyway, how to, how to kind of initiate one. So this gets into an interesting subject of, uh, like what is seduction, right? Uh, there, there is, you know, there's forcing yourself upon somebody and then there is some degree of seduction. I don't think inherently seduction is a bad thing. You know, if you do it right, the way to think about it is this, is that, you know, there's consent and not consent. And then there's like, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. Seduction is asking, you know, the best way to think of seduction is it is asking the other person the question, could you be interested in this? Like, could you, like, it's creating the possibility, you know, could, I mean, it's, and you gotta be super careful with that. Okay. Because you want to make sure you have consent all the way across the board, but you need to think of seduction in that way. And whenever somebody doesn't seem to be interested in it, I mean, you can try, you know, you can try to be persuasive or whatever, you know, don't be creepy and, and that's fine. But that's, that's the way to think of seduction is seduction is really just the question, you know, could you be into this? So I'm not necessarily saying you need to seduce per se. I mean, I think the best way that these things kind of happen naturally is just that, you know, you have friends and at some point, you know, uh, you, you know, and if, if you're, if you're the kind of person that's already very kind of sexually open anyway, uh, you know, maybe it just happens at some point that the friends kind of get together. I mean, there's people that talk about, okay, so if you're throwing a party and if you want everybody to get into an orgy, you know, uh, just like halfway through the party, start playing porn on the TV set or something. And I've seen this kind of shit work. Okay. Uh, but I don't think it's okay because the ingredient that they're not telling you about is usually everybody's trashed, you know, and drunk. And, and I don't, I'm just not really interested in that at all. I, uh, you know, I'm a teetotaler all the way. Um, so, you know, to do it without getting all of that stuff involved, it really just kind of has to happen naturally. I mean, you can ask, but you know, you ask in the same way. I mean, you want it to be a friend first. I think, I don't think you just want to be necessarily grabbing somebody off the streets. I mean, there's nothing wrong if you want to pay for somebody to be involved. That's not a bad idea at all. Okay. And I have no qualms about sex work or anything like that. Uh, maybe that's the best way to go about it. So you get a feel for what it's like at first. Um, but you know, I, I'm just, I'm not one for drinking. Usually that that's, that's the go-to model for people is that they just get somebody drunk and then eventually, you know, and like, and some people include that in seduction. I don't consider drinking as in dropping people's inhibitions, you know, through, through a chemical reaction in their brain. I don't consider that to be asking the question, could you be interested in this? I mean, that, that, that it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right to me. I understand why people do it. I'm not knocking people for drinking. I'm just saying that when alcohol gets involved, consent becomes a very sketchy thing. I mean, it just gets very weird. Regrets can come into play and all that. I'd much rather everybody be totally on board, loving it, enjoying it, wanting it, blah, blah, blah. Um, and often enough, I mean, you know, the, the, the easiest ways that I've, or not the easiest ways, the simplest ways that I've ended up involved in threesomes is generally because a girlfriend of mine would have a friend. 
and it, you know, it'd end up going like that. Or because, you know, my girlfriend would want to, you know, actually get with my friend, say like a guy friend of mine, um, you know, not a boyfriend. God, that, that's not my style. That's fine. If it's anybody else's, you know, go for it, please. Uh, but you know, that, that's, that's how, that's how that happens. Um, yeah, I mean, well, anyway, I could go on and on and on about that, but just build up friendships and, you know, if those friendships go a little further, rock and roll or go ahead, you know, get a prostitute. That's fine. Get a sex worker. All right. That's, that's the, the, the operative term, the preferred term, get a sex worker, you know, and, and, and rock and roll. Okay. But that, that's how I, I see it. You know, the way to get into a threesome and all of this, I see it as the same way to get into a relationship. You just meet people doing what you already do. Okay. Or, you know, that, that become a part of your life through actions that you've already been taking for years or things like this, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, you don't just like when you're at a, not to say this hasn't happened, but like, if you're at a restaurant, you don't just say to the waitress, you know, if you're there with your, if you're a guy and you're there with your girlfriend or whatever, and you say to her, Hey, you want to, you know, what do you, what are you doing tonight? You want to come back later? Now I'm not saying that that doesn't work and that that doesn't happen, but usually you would get some kind of signal for if that was going to be going down. Like the, the waitress would, would show some very, very clear signs, uh, you know, that, that she like really thought that the two of you were cute or something in cities, that sort of thing, you know, it does happen here and there. Um, but my best thing, or, you know, my, my best advice is just everybody be friends that way is something else, Cause I mean, the other nice thing about that is if something really does go wrong, you can talk about it. You have a foundation that existed beforehand, uh, you know, that, that you can, you can heal from or restore from, uh, you know, with, with whatever's going on. Um, so just be super mature about it. Be super patient about it. Okay. Like be super, super patient. Do not be possessive. All right. Really don't be possessive. Uh, I, I know that that's, that's kind of tough because you're expressing love in a very real way, perhaps. I mean, and maybe, you know, maybe you're in a triad relationship where you're expressing that love and all that stuff. Well, I mean, then, you know, that's, that's being in a triad relationship is something else, but otherwise, you know, you don't have to be possessive to just, you know, enjoy pleasing other people. Cause you can get pleasure from that yourself. I mean, that's, that's the very nature of, of love, you know, at, at, at the baseline, I think, <laughs> you know, is your pleasure being intertwined with someone else's. So anyway, okay. Enough of that. Um, I really need to move on to, uh, let's see, we can, uh, yeah, I'll make this, uh, kind of the last question, sort of a double header. Um, and if you have, if you have more specific stuff to ask on, on the whole sexual thing, I mean, you can always email into sex and science hour. I was honored that they wanted to get my take and they asked me on, you know, on here, uh, but you know, feel free to email show at sex and science hour.com. We have season three starting was it October 21st, I think is when season three starts. And so if you have questions like that, you know, bring them on. Um, but I will tell you, I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm going to end it off with this, that, I think as a guy, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, like the emailer was, and you wanted to add in a third person, generally adding in another woman is going to, in my opinion, give you a lot less drama. And also it kind of makes it a better experience because as long as you can sit back, you know, here and there, I mean, women deliver a love to each other that men just cannot replicate. Stop. You can't trust me. You fucking can't. I've seen it. Okay. <laughs> I've been in the room. I cannot deliver what women deliver to each other. That's just not possible. So it allows for a really great dynamic 
as well when you, when you have a threesome, because like you get to explore kind of all the different aspects of human sexuality, which is really, really exciting. Again, you want to be really conscious of everybody involved and, you know, try to make sure everybody's staying involved and intimate and all that. Okay. You don't want anybody getting bored, which happens. Um, but yeah, anyway. Okay. So enough of the threesome question. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, here is, okay. So I, I'm not sure where I said this, if I said this in a Patreon episode, or if I said this in a sovereign tech proper episode, but the question was, LOL, why do you think Nirvana ruined rock music? You don't like punk music or industrial rock. Um, no love for the music label, sub pop records, the label that brought us Nirvana and all the other great grunge gods. Okay. So there's like three questions there and I'm going to get, I'm going to get on the first one or no, I'm going to get on the second one and then I'll get into the other two. So the second question was, you don't like punk music or industrial rock? No, I love, uh, there's lots of punk music. I really enjoy. There's lots of industrial. I really enjoy. I, I mean, not just Rammstein either when it comes to industrial or not just Rob zombie or something like that. Um, I mean, I could go down, you know, kind of go down the list. I mean, like I'm a huge ministry fan, love ministry. Um, you know, and as far as alternative music, yeah, there's lots of alternative music that I, that I really like. Um, and so let me get into the third question. Then I'll talk in a much deeper aspect about, you know, why do I think Nirvana ruined rock music? Because it's a subject I love to talk about. Um, so with, uh, with kind of the idea of like sub pop records that, you know, brought on the grunge gods and all this different stuff, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's a question whether or not grunge is like even that great of a music style. It's so depressing. I'll touch on more of that in a minute, but like, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of acts, very alternative acts, kind of punk or industrial acts, or, you know, like new styles of rock music that were coming out of the eighties that didn't require Nirvana to be a big deal. You think faith, no more. I'm a huge faith, no more fan, or even, you know, Mr. Bungle, which is of course from the front man of faith, no more, uh, you know, love Mr. Bungle peeping Tom. I mean, you know, any, anything that Mike does there, I, I just think is fantastic. Okay. Uh, ministry huge fan of like, there's, there's tons of bands out there that just didn't need Nirvana at all to be a big deal. In fact, they came before Nirvana were already changing the music scene and in many ways didn't get latched onto for whatever reason. And somehow Nirvana, you know, took the, took the whole cake. Okay. So, you know, sub pop records. Yeah. I mean, sub pop, what did they start? Like in the eighties, late eighties, I think sub pop records started, you know, signed on a whole bunch of people, Soundgarden and all that, which I, you know, I dig Soundgarden. I like Chris Cornell and all that, but obviously you look at Chris Cornell's work, that guy was a talent, you know, grunge or not a tremendous talent at that. Uh, I mean, his solo works fucking phenomenal, but anyway, so let, let me, let me get on to, so, you know, I'm just saying that I'm totally on board with, you know, with industrial and a lot of these different alternative kinds of music, even some degree of what's called grunge. The problem is, is in many ways kind of Nirvana itself. And, and really it is kind of grunge itself. Like I said, I think Soundgarden couldn't, could have existed on its own. Um, or like, you know, some people bring up, what about Stone Temple Pilots? Well, Stone Temple Pilots, like they never had an album that sounded the same. So, you know, you can't really classify them anyway. And I mean, I like a lot of Scott Weiland's work. I love what he did with Velvet Revolver. Uh, his last album that he worked on, Art of Anarchy which was the band was art of anarchy and there was a self-titled album. I think that came out in like 2012 or something like that. Maybe a little later. Uh, just, just a badass rock record. I mean, fucking great, you know? So I don't hate all that, but, but let me explain my problem with Nirvana. Maybe this will shed light on the whole thing. So, you know, the year's 1993 and metal and rock or hard rock. I mean, it gets crazy when you try to define all those terms 
had gotten to this incredible point of precision. Okay. To where, like, I mean, you had, some people say it got formulaic because every song had a, had a guitar solo and all this stuff. Well, so what, <laughs> you know, and like, well, really, how many notes can Ingve play? I mean, come on, isn't this getting ridiculous? Not really. I mean, you know, seriously, you're insulting people for being that talented. Cause that's really what you're doing when you complain about that. Um, you could say it got kind of formulaic. I, I don't think so. I mean, grunge got fucking formulaic. Are you kidding me? Like you want to talk about something that turned into a formula, you know, I mean, here's the formula, shoot myself, shoot myself. Oh, she left me. Oh, the life sucks. Blah, blah. I mean, like, it's so fucking depressing. Okay. And that seemed to be the formula and you know, that formula morphed, you know, instead of from depressing music, it eventually turned into some kind of, you know, very angry music and all that. Not to say I have a problem with, you know, angry music. I mean, uh, you know, you think something like, um, suicide silence, of course, you know, their lead singer died, you know, guys like that, or even drowning pool. I mean, some of that stuff, well, now they, that gets into butt rock and all this. Anyway, I'm going way off on a tangent here. I, and I don't want to, I don't want this to go over an hour. My point Nirvana, like you had like music was a, a real celebration. When you look at music pre 93, say like 81 to 93, or maybe you could even go 79 to, uh, uh, you know, or maybe even older, like, you know, when kiss started and, you know, when Van, when Van Halen started and all this in purple, you know, deep purple and all that, like the music was really about having a good time. Like it was a real celebration in all this. And honestly, if you looked around, I mean, the economy wasn't lying to you. Like things were pretty good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, this is the era that all the malls came out of, you, you know what I mean? Because, you know, all this crazy, op, you know, wild opulence, because the money was there and the people were buying, the people had the cash to do it. Yeah. I mean, just, just wild, wild. I mean, talk about a time of innovation. Holy fucking shit. And then Nirvana comes out in 93 and it actually, I mean, Nirvana, like even unseated, uh, uh, Michael Jackson's dangerous album, which is arguably his best album. Uh, you know, and, and, and took all the thunder away from that. I mean, and that was a, boy, that was a great album. If you never listen to Michael Jackson's dangerous, it is track for track. Even the cheesy shit's good. Um, you know, I mean, remember the time, who is it? Give in to me. It had fucking slash playing on it. Are you kidding me? Um, but Nirvana, you know, kind of toppled that. And, and, and I just, I don't get it. Like I, I don't, I mean, one could argue, you know, it's, if people want to get into like psychologizing it is that the parents in the eighties were having such a good fucking times, be it, you know, whatever hitting Coke or, you know, having orgies, whatever the case may be. Okay. That maybe they weren't paying enough attention to the kids. And so you had a generation of kids grow up depressed. And when they started hearing Nirvana, they could, they could understand it. And they're like, Oh, life is terrible. This all sucks. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe that's what happened, you know? And I, and I know I'm, I know I'm going to get shit for this because I don't get it. I don't understand why anarchists just have like this boner for Nirvana. And they say, it's like, well, because he was revealing the truth about the system and all this stuff. And it's like, well, you really Nirvana's the, you know, your, your source for the truth about the system. That's a pretty pathetic source. I'm glad he sings about it sometimes, but eh. you know, and what does Nirvana have anything to say about necessarily like personal freedom or, you know, I mean, personal freedom is about being happy in life, having a good time. Boy, I wouldn't listen to Nirvana to be happy for the life of me. So that's the thing with Nirvana. It's just like, I feel like, I mean, and it's funny. It's, I don't have any proof for this. this is speculation. It's ironic how, when grunge becomes a thing, suddenly the economy tanks like no tomorrow. 
and in many ways, innovation dies. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, like everything just kind of goes bad. You know, once, once you get into the late nineties, you know, after, after grunge kind of, you know, leaves the music scene a wasteland, which seemed to be by design. Yeah, I don't get it. I like, I, I don't understand the appeal. I mean, myself. Yeah, I get it. You want stuff that's authentic and honest, you know, myself. And I, and I know this is all personal taste, just like everything I just said about Nirvana is largely personal taste. Some of it is fact. Um, but you know, if, a, if music isn't about like sex or, you know, some kind of like, you know, you know, fist raising, like, fuck yeah. All right. You know, like, I mean, if it's not something, I don't want to say edifying, that sounds too Christian, but if it's not something that's, you know, that's really like, like, oh, I hate to even say spirit lifting, but, but just something that, that gives you a good rise. I mean, I, you know, I can dig a sad song because I mean, there's times for feeling sad, but like, let's, let's keep it away from, you know, talking about suicide or, you know, how your life is over and all this shit, you know, uh, I mean, you know, I could, I, I'm totally into a good ballad, please. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I just, yeah, my, my music, the music I like to listen to, I want it to be about the good life. I want it to be about having a good time. I want it to have intensity, not just like depression, but intensity, you know, and I, and yeah, have it be about sex. I mean, if, if a song's about sex, rock and roll, baby, I'm on. I mean, why do you think, honestly, and I, and, and, you know, I'm a fan of some rap myself. Why do you think rap took over? Why do you think rap became like the music du jour or the de facto music? Because on the fucking music videos, it was showing money going all over the place. Lots of bling, right? You know, women everywhere and all this stuff having a good time. That's why it took over <laughs> because metal and rock and everything else stopped showing that shit. And so, you know, people, once they grew up and, you know, maybe they started finding some personal success or something, you know, they looked at, oh, what shows off the kind of life I want to live? Well, there you go. So, I mean, and yeah, I know, you know, you can get into gangster rap where it's about the, you know, hard life in Harlem and all this, or, you know, not in Harlem or whatever, you know, and, and I get it. Okay. I listen to Ice Cube. I, you know, I understand. I'm just, I'm just saying that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, just, what do you expect? So that's, that's why I say Nirvana ruined music because it's like, you know, we had this incredible precision a good time was constantly being shown on TV. You know, wild times were being showing life was, you know, good and all this stuff. Yeah. There were still governments, unfortunately, you know, but it was just a wild time. Everybody, you know, was, was being, you know, properly hedonistic and everything. It was just great. And then Nirvana comes and everybody starts, you know, wearing fucking flannel and, and walking around like life is, is, Oh, fuck this shit. Fuck it. You know? And it's like, come on, man, pick it up. Life's a good thing. Life's amazing. It really is especially when there's love in the world. And I don't ever remember Nirvana much singing about enjoying love. Not really. So maybe I have a superficial outlook on Nirvana. I'm sure some people will, will you know, give me shit about that, but I really, I, you know, once they came out, like the music scene, just, uh, it just fucking tanked. Like all the music videos started sucking ass. Everything just started sucking. Everything was, was, was just, you know, anger, 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 fuck this, fuck that, blah, blah, blah. You know, there was no good time, no celebration being had anymore uh, through music. And, well, I mean, you know, maybe there is something more to that, uh, that that could be discussed another time. Anyway, enough of that. We're going on the one hour mark. I got to get going. So <laughs> Carpe Lucem, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to comment on it or ask me further questions and I'll get to them uh, next week. And I've got some other great stuff coming out this week as well. So woo, I'll see you on the other side. 
just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com, that's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com, and connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to The Evolution. 